Brace, I think you have some news for our listeners. What, I'm supposed to... Do I actually have news or am I supposed to like come up with something? No, uh, you have news that you may have forgotten. But I haven't forgotten because we have a big announcement. A podcast update. Beep, beep, beep. Breaking news, breaking news. Are you buying time right now while you come up? I, do we actually have one? Yes. Okay. Let me Keep get going. to it. All right. We have a big announcement. There is a major, major update in the True Anon Jewel Watch. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes. On a flight, and an eastbound flight from, uh, from LAX to somewhere in the south, I, at a loss of what to do, after I'd burned through all of the literature I had brought on board, I was forced to watch a movie. Um, now, usually what I do is I just kind of make up movies with my hands and to try to entertain my neighbors with them. But in this case, I decided to, uh, to, to watch the little screen in front of me. And uh, uh, one of the few movies that they had on there was the movie Richard Jewell. Richard Jewell. Richard Jewell. Um, and I watched it. You watched Richard Jewell? I watched the entirety of Richard Jewell. So I well, don't actually know when we started Jewel Watch. Mm-hmm. Do you know when we started Jewel Watch? Uh, well, I'll tell you. I started Jewel Watch about 10 days ago. It took me about two hours. No. You know what I mean. Project Jewel Watch. Yeah. You've been bugging me. In fact, let me use some gendered language here. You've been nagging me. Mm. Nag, nag, nag for what feels like- a great way to start the show. Well, uh, it's a great way to, to have a great behavior to have done throughout the entirety of our relationship. For at least 15 years, you've been bugging me to watch- <laughs> the movie Richard Jewell since the actually since the Atlanta, the so-called Atlanta bombing. Um, yeah, I watched it and you know what? I'll be real with you. I cried a little bit. Oh yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was a good movie. Um, found it difficult in parts to masturbate, uh, too. Oh, come on, dude. Okay. I'm just kidding. I would straight up never do that on a plane or to a movie. My name is Braze. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Went right into it. Yeah. Well, actually, let's before we introduce ourselves, I want to I want to clarify some things about Jewel on a plane in the first place. Oh my god. You can smoke Jewel on a plane and no one's really going to say anything to you. Did they really not say? Did you do it? Of course. I do it every time. That's the only reason do I go originally in the bathroom? got No, I don't go in the bathroom. You just it, do it on the plane? Yeah. What are they going to do? Pull it over? <laughs> no. Do you do you like do you like put up your collar or like collar? Shirt? First of all, COVID's over, baby. I'm shirtless on these fucking planes. <laughs> no, I don't do it in the collar. I just do it kind of like down a little bit, but I'm always hanging my head in shame on airplanes anyways. Uh, no, you just do. I used to do it in the bath. That's the entire reason I got a jewel in the first place is so I could smoke on like my once a year plane rides. Um, and now you can just you can just do it, I guess. No, one, no one's really going to say anything to you. I'm surprised they didn't say anything. You're really not supposed to do that. 
Well, I, you know, I always, I always tip the the flight attendant really big when I get on the plane. That's what you do when they're when they're greeting you when you walk in. You, you slip a a fake hundred down each of fake. their shirts. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're not gonna look at it, uh, you know, until they land. Probably. Oh it's my god. Technically, a federal crime to bribe them, uh, and then they kind of just let you do whatever you want. Hello, everyone. I'm Liz. My name is uh, unlicensed, but aspirational Sky Marshal Brace Belden. We are joined by Captain, and I mean that in the gay Navy way, Young Chomsky, who is the producer of the show. The podcast is Truanon. Hello, everyone. We're back. We had a little vacation, but we're back. We are back. Um, This is actually, listen, if you're a subscriber, you've already heard us go through the vacation spiel. Yeah, we already talked about it. And if you're not a subscriber, you don't get to hear about it. You should kill yourself. Yeah. Don't well, no, but you know, you, you don't say, get to hear about it. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Which is basically a fate worse than death. <laughs> now, to to start off the episode, I want to make clear something. Uh there might be some misconceptions about. I know I have said constantly to the contrary, something besides what I'm about to say that is a very tangled sentence. I have I no make idea it, what you just said, but I think that that sh- is good advice. Yeah. Say let me, so many let me things. Make, exactly. <laughs> no one can tell what you're saying. Uh, but I have never snitched knowingly uh, or unknowingly. But, you know, how would I know? I've made a lot of jokes in the show about how sometimes, you know, I do an amateur wear a wire type thing. When I was younger, I would go buy like a $20 bag of cocaine at the hemlock and then call the police or just scream desperately into my shirt for the guy to get arrested. Uh, and those were mostly unsuccessful, but I didn't actually do any of that. I think snitching is bad. Mm. I think um, it's good. Yeah. I, so, well, that's what I wanted to clear up. So Liz does snitch. Liz <laughs> has every single time I talk shit on somebody, Liz goes and tells them immediately or is on the phone with them while I'm talking to her and puts me on speaker. No, so, I don't do any of that. You're joking. There is divergent opinions here. No, well, why are we talking about snitching? Well, we're talking about it because we're talking about a big snitch case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the biggest snitch case of all. No, maybe not the biggest. But um, a new article came out over at BuzzFeed, mm-hmm. which I promise is not in list form. It's an actual article uh, detailing. It was like a kind of a big um, investigative report uh, detailing the federal... Uh, Bureau of Investigation, the FBI's involvement in the Michigan kidnapping case, um, which I don't know if people remember this. This was this happened what last September, late last September, where there was um, it was reported in the news, in the mainstream news media, that the FBI had foiled a plot by um, a couple of uh, militia, erstwhile militiamen and radicalized Trump supporters who were trying to uh, or attempting to had a plan to kidnap the current uh, governor of Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer. And also we should say was on Gretchen Whitmer, who was um, on the short list for the Biden admins VP pick. So she's like very visible, very prominent democratic politician. Yeah, and I and I remember this pretty vividly at the time because I remember, I mean, rule another little another little true and on rule for you listeners out there. Mm. Anytime the FBI foils anything, it's fake. <laughs> yeah, like I'm I'm only 
I'm not joking, actually, at all. Like, you, if you just use that as a rule, that any time that the FBI comes forward and says that we stop this terror plot or we stop these bad guys from doing this bad thing, if you just assume that they're lying to you, that in fact that they had maybe not only a hand in it but both hands in it, and maybe we're you know driving the uh, you know you get what this metaphor is going. Uh, you'll be right like 99% of the time. And so that's just what I assumed in this case. Yeah, it's not so much that they're lying, but that they stopped themselves from continuing what they were planning on doing because they were so involved that they were basically just doing it. Yeah, and I will say, at this point, when this came out, I was real fucking sick about hearing about Gretchen Whitmer. Do you, Whitmer, do you remember when like the media, during, especially during Trump's like last year, especially during COVID, like every month there would be like a new high profile democratic politician that like the, the Philly New York times or CNN would like gas up as being mm. like Trump's like high profile enemy, like the no nonsense right, right, like right. Gavin Newsom or like Andrew Cuomo or, you know, name, you know, one of a million other serial rapists out there. A lot of that happened before, like as well before, uh, Biden picked Kamala. It was yes. like they were just all re recycling through, and everyone was throwing their hat in the ring. And so it's like you had to go through all these fucking news media profiles of all these politicians we fucking hate before Amy Klobuchar had to get out because of her involvement in the Derek Chauvin. Yeah, and the 1993 World Trade Center bombing. Oh. <laughs> but yeah. No, it's uh yeah, and 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 Whitmer especially was was a a big focal point because of the uh her her lockdown Michigan policies. I mean, these have mostly died down around the country, especially as the the lockdowns died down in most places quite a while ago at this point. But uh but last April there started to be unlock Michigan protests a little bit after the uh the initial like round of lockdowns. Uh these were these were pretty well documented, I think, because especially and and they 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 provoked a lot of um, retrospectives around the beginning of this year too, around the Capitol riot, because they sort of evoked the same images. There was a lot of very angry people at the the Michigan Capitol building, uh, and they they there were people with guns, and there was people uh, you know who just had signs or whatever. The police stood by, let them in with some temperature checks. Uh, I mean, there was a bunch of these protests, but the, the most famous one, the police uh, stood by and let him in, in the, I think the last day of April, 2020. And there were all these crazy pictures of like guys in, especially Boogaloo guys, which at that point was a real hot topic, although it would become much hotter later in the year, um, staying around with guns, basically kind of doing nothing, kind of yelling at cops. Yeah, it was weird. Like, so these guys kind of, when they got into the um, Michigan State House in the Capitol building, like they... Uh, they basically were like standing in front of offices posing for photos and they, you know, they're like, there's a pretty famous photo of them like all in a row standing, like, you know, they're, they've got like, they're all strapped up and they've got their hands in front of them, like tough guy pose, you know, you, and they can all you, have can these Can you act of, like, this out for me? <laughs> I kind of am actually. Can you you are, but can you do it? Like hold the rifle for me, Liz. There we go. All right. Great. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> no, but so they're and they're all kind of like standing in a row, like they're being like tough guy, whatever. And all these yeah. like photojournalists are around, like boom, 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 snapping photos, snapping photos. And there's all of these like very um, I mean, very charged in, you know, pretty insane looking photos got passed around. They're big stories. Um, super menacing looking dudes, huge beards, you know, just like not great press, but they didn't really do anything. Like there was no real violence. 
And the crowd's just kind of like, after posing for a bunch of photos, like kind of just like petered out and left. Well, that's the thing is everybody gets to this like precipice where you're like, oh, fuck, do I have to like shoot the governor? And then it's like, do I really want to shoot the governor? Probably not, right? Like, you know, I got to, most likely you got stuff you got to do the next day. You know, you're probably going to get arrested. You're probably going to get shot. And so no one ever does anything. Well, I mean, it's like, yeah, I don't even think that was on the table. Like, there's a piece in the BuzzFeed article, which we'll link to, and they say, like, the shocking spectacle of the militants occupying the Capitol grabbed the media's attention. It was, the Associated Press reported, an unsettling symbol of rising tensions in a nation grappling with crisis. But it's like even all this stuff just sort of like um, the spectacles became um, like a cause for themselves, right? It was like just the spectacle enough was uh like the was the threat even though not a lot was happening like even the one of the guys um that ends up getting picked up by the FBI which we'll get into he was in his little group chat and he like boasted to a group to the group chat with a screenshot of like his friend commenting on some of the press picking up his photo uh, and the guy's like, oh, that moment when all your friends start noticing you weren't killing, that you were down to kill tyrants. Like, it's just like, it's all very self-regarding. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would definitely say it's highly regarded. It, it's, it's, that, that's the thing is like, you also aren't down to kill the tyrant. Like you went to the, you went to the Capitol and then you stood there with your gun. Like you, you didn't do it. I mean, you know, I, I I'll say it, it is. I think we're probably used to it living in America because it kind of happens a lot, like guns and protests, those sort of things. But in most other countries that are comparable to America, like Israel and uh, the West Bank uh, and Occupied Jerusalem and the Golan Heights, like, you know, these things are like pretty, you know, that, that, that's, that's, that's not very, it's mostly people like throwing rocks and stuff like that. And so, you know, it's it's wild that people are bringing guns into a state house. But like, also, I think we should know by now, people aren't doing shit. You know, it's, 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 it is mostly like you're saying, it's, it's a big spectacle thing. Um, and, and they're right. Like it does make for arresting images. I think we were very much reminded of that all throughout last year, throughout the, uh, you know, this, this early, these lockdown protests and then through the, the BLM stuff. And then towards the end when the election oof, disaster kind of unfolded and, uh, you know, images with people you know, sort of with a slung AR across their chest are, are arresting and they make for definitely make for good copy. Um, but, uh, but like this guy is saying that that's mostly what it is. And I think a lot of the participants at their core also know this, like they're not going actually to shoot anybody. They're going there to, uh, to, to make a statement essentially with a gun. It's like, it's like how the, those like uh, pickup artists wear like the really big hats. Peacocking. Yeah. They're peacocking. While nothing was accomplished that day, they did end up getting arrested because, according to the authorities, they were planning something for later. And that's what has kind of become this huge story, the the foiled plot of the kidnapping of Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Yeah, and, and, and the plot is actually, it's pretty predictable, right? I mean, there were a lot of people with not a lot to do. Uh, in April of 2020, right? I mean, a lot of people out of work, mostly everything was closed. Um, 
And Michigan has a pretty big militia movement that already exists. In fact, I think it's the second biggest in the country after Texas. And so, you know, oh, there's damn. a lot of guys who are essentially like, I mean, if you look at pictures, of a lot of these guys, they're not about the, you know, these are hobbyists. It's like people, it's mm. like a, a LARP essentially for a lot of these people. I mean, they're, you know, they're serious, real deal guys who are, you know, who very, 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 very occasionally, you know, try strive to reach the other level. But like with a lot of these guys, I mean, it basically is like they're, they're getting together for training and, uh, you know, bitching in group chats. And the way that it seems like this was unfolding is that there was this group of people who sort of revolved around this Facebook page that, uh, <laughs> which yes, the Facebook page is a large part in this, as do group chats. Um, the Wolverine Watchmen. The Wolverine is the Watchmen. Name, which, Can't, assuming they got the Wolverine part from Red Dawn and the Watchmen part from the comic. Uh, no, it's probably like no. I, I, it's not. It's probably not from the comic. I mean, that's. I feel like that's a little. Too like corny almost. The BuzzFeed it's article is called than... "Watching the Watchmen," which I yes. was like, "Okay, come on." All right, yeah, okay, give me a fucking. But who here. watches the? Oh, no. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Um, so you know, and <sighs> these guys were, you know, I don't want to be like this or whatever. You know, we were not exactly. I'm not talking about the most successful guys in the world, right? And so they're they're basically getting together, having fun with their friends, and pretending like that they're they're some threat to the government. I'm sure many listeners here are also picturing people that they might know who like maybe talk a big game and act like big tough revolutionaries or something or like, you know, crazy anti-government people but like really would never do shit. And so that sort of seems to be mostly what was going on here. Yeah, I want to talk about these three guys that are the kind of founding members of the Wolverine Watchmen. Uh, Pete Musico, a.k.a. Mm -hmm. Grandpa, a.k.a. Crazy Pete. You always need a Crazy Pete. Uh, who's 42 years old. Now, a couple questions. One, mm -hmm. is he a 42-year-old grandpa? Yes. That's young. Well, let's see. No, you can be a 42-year-old grandpa. I mean, I, I got... I know, but Pete, what's going so, on? Some of my kids have kids. Well, he was with... Oh, second... My second point was... He goes by Crazy Pete, and spoiler alert, his defense attorney uses that as a defense for saying people called him Crazy Pete. No one believed Crazy Pete, so Sterling don't defense. take anything he says seriously because he's crazy. Which, yeah, yeah. Great lawyer. Yeah, you always wanted, if you ever, listen, this is another little true and odd hint for our listeners out there. If you're ever going to do a crime or anything even mildly illegal, you always got to start calling yourself like Moron Frank or something. Or like... <laughs> <laughs> or like illiterate Lanny or, you know, um, uh, your special needs uh, requires like a one of those service dogs, uh, James. And then it's basically a scot-free defense. Well, Crazy Pete also brought along his son-in-law, Joe, mm -hmm. a.k.a. Boogaloo Bunyan. Yes. Son-in-law. Yes. So I guess he, you know, technically he lived with Crazy Pete. Mm -hmm. Maybe he's got the kid. And that makes yeah. Crazy Pete the grandpa? Anyway. Uh, that would be how that worked. And then there... Well, I'm just mapping it out for yeah, everyone. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then there's Paul Beller, a.k.a. Doc. <sighs> Which, why is there always a Doc in a gang? What's so up with what, that? There's always a Doc. Like, when even I was, in cartoons. When I was younger, we had, uh, we had like, a bunch of Sean's that we hung out with. Uh, 
and we realized that we had too many Sean's like fall, like, like five or six Sean's, which was like, we couldn't, I mean, we had, we had, we had a crazy Sean. Um, we had a oh, fuck another, no, that was Zach, fat Zach, but we, you know, we had a lot of noun and then Sean's. Mm. Well, doc, uh, was only 21. He's the youngest guy. Um, these, these are the three guys that they credit as being the funding members, but spoiler alert at some point the feds get involved Mm -hmm. yeah it it looks like the feds got involved through their usual route which is a pussy um a member of a well actually i I think this guy actually himself wasn't a militiaman at first a guy who was browsing facebook who came upon the wolverine watchman facebook group account like looking for friends looking for friends and in fact was he makes looking for friends in all the wrong places fed to him by the algorithm too which is you know that's uh, brother if you're becoming an informant because of an algorithm you are so far outside the realm of what's cool or what's not that i can everyone's becoming fed because of the algorithm you know what i'm saying uh i i don't but i'm gonna pretend like yeah i know what you're saying sister um but uh, he gets onto this page, and these guys immediately let him into the group chat, which, um, Liz, that does not seem like a good idea to do. So this guy, Dan, gets involved, and he gets, uh, you know, he he's, he hits up their Facebook page, and they include him in the encrypted chat app they're using, which, spoiler alert, not encrypted. They are, uh, plenty of these chats are appearing in court, so... Something else we want to impress on you. There is no such thing as a chat that the government cannot read or that cannot be used against you in court. That is fake. 100% fake. Um, And and he gets freaked out because one of the guys is talking, obviously bullshitting, like one of those lies that you hear and you're immediately like, this is fucking fake. Talking about how he fucking... uh, this cop pulled him over and then he went to the cop's house and he threw a Molotov through the window and was sitting outside with an AR ready to shoot the cop when he came out, but decided at the last minute not to do it. Like, this is not real. If anyone tells you anything like that, they are lying to you because they want to seem tough and cool. And this story is sick with that kind of stuff. There's talk about people showing off fake C4, talking about like, you know, this, these like special tactics things they have. It's all fucking fake. These guys are just gassing each other up bullshitting each other trying to seem like big tough macho guys but he goes to the goddamn fbi yeah he goes to the fbi because he's like dude these guys want to kill cops i gotta tell the cops and the cops were like hey you know who you should talk to the feds yeah which by the way if i was a cop i'd take that in my own hands but that's why they kept me <laughs> off the force yeah and the feds are immediately very interested in this um they uh appear to insert a few other informants as time goes on um they really actually steer the group through Dan, whose nickname uh with the feds is Thor <laughs> which my theory on that by the way is that uh-huh. the feds gave him that nickname to make him feel like real special and real important oh one hundred percent and yeah. to keep gassing him up everyone's just gassing each other up everywhere. I know. Well, you know, it's last gas really does. You know, the world go, make the world go round. <laughs> um, it, it's just uh, also like it kind of hurts my feelings because like when I snitch and stuff, I was Gretchen, and like they just called me Gretchen all the time, and now I'm like, cool. I could have had a name like Thor, but maybe just you know have- what? I gotta what? break this for a second because, what? dear listeners, yeah, Brace always runs to this name Gretchen. 
Yes, because I tricked my friends Maher and Craig when I was 16 into thinking my real name wasn't Brace. It was Gretchen. I know, but I just think it's so funny well, that you Gretchen know some guys is the are... name that is like impressed <laughs> in your little brain. And I really want to know why, because it's such an odd name. Like, it's not like, it's like a real specific name. And I'm like, yeah. did you meet a Gretchen at a very young age that gave you an impression? Like, what's the story here? Who's I Gretchen? I was friends with a girl Who named Gretchen, Gretchen when I was uh, like in middle school. But no, no, it's because, you know, do you remember when you first met a guy named Lauren? No. Really? You don't know any guys named Lauren? No. I've known like three guys named Lauren. It's usually with an L-O-R-E-N. The first time I met a guy named Lauren, my shit was fucking rocked. Like, I could not believe that that <laughs> was happening. Yeah, yeah. I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, they named guys Lauren. And so I always thought it'd be funny. But then be like, oh, yeah, it's like, but it's like the guy spelling. And uh, I always thought it'd be funny to have a guy be like, yeah, I'm Gretchen. But like, it's the guy's spelling of it. <laughs> like with an O. Gretchen? No, it's like still pronounced Gretchen. Like, but you're like, yeah, like that's like, yeah, it's Gretchen. But oh, like, that's it's, the male it's, spelling. It's just like the male spelling of Gretchen. Mm. Um, and so that's been my pretty much my go-to <laughs> ever since. And like, you know, I do drag shows under that name and all that stuff. But like, it's, uh, yeah, it's for some reason I can never think of another woman's name for myself. It's so that's funny it. to me. It's yeah. so funny. Sorry, it's like the third or fourth <laughs> time that you've referenced Gretchen, and I had to say something. <laughs> But I did do a really elaborate, like months long um, trick on my friends, uh, Craig and Maher, uh, to make them think that that was my real name. Oh, the trickster. Yeah. And then they, like, they, they, I, I spread a rumor behind my own back until they finally, like, I was like needling them and they were like, oh, yeah, Gretchen. And I, I was like, I don't know what the fuck you guys are talking about. I showed my ID. It's brace. And they were uh, humiliated. <laughs> So anyways, the long con. <laughs> yes. It, it was like a three month operation. So anyways, Thor Much is like this fed, the fed operation here. I mean, this thing, this thing was intense, right? I mean, the feds are basically running this organization through Thor. Thor, I'm just going to call him Thor. Thor is the second in command of the Wolverine Watchmen. And they have Thor bring on this boogaloo boy named Adam Fox. Yeah. Not to be this, confused with boogaloo bunion. No, no. And that's that's something that's funny when I was when I was looking over this is remember the Boogaloo boys? Not really. No. I mean I it, do. Everyone was like, Oh, you can't wear a Hawaiian shirt because that means that you support Trump. <laughs> and I was like, Yeah, I'm wearing a Hawaiian shirt because that shit's cool. But Boogaloo Boogaloo was, I mean, I'm sure many listeners remember it, but it was a basically what I think it was like came out of 4chan or something, but like some online to real life phenomenon of people mm. who were uh screen damaged meme obsessed losers who thought that they could kind of like goof their way into a second civil war but who actually in practice stood there holding guns at big protests and like then sometimes like wearing for, Hawaiian they were, shirts wearing wearing, very, they wore Hawaiian like, shirts yeah bold prints yeah and it was like it was this sort of like all over vague anti-government uh, right, right. message but basically tailored for you know like t lonely 25 year old guys um mm -hmm. there were a couple high profile boogaloo incidents including when uh two guys who met on facebook killed a i believe think one cop in oakland at a like a blm protest uh and then uh one of them had a pretty actually successful shootout uh in the hills of santa cruz and uh, where I think he shot like three cops and then two other guys who tried to join Hamas, 
but we're in fact talking to a federal in <laughs> excuse me, a federal agent. So I'm sure. I don't know why that's so funny. It's so fucking funny to me. It's like, it's like dude, we found Hamas's Facebook page and I messaged like, them. I, like, how did you even? How did you think this was going to work, man? Like, just like, what part of you thought this was going to work? Anyway, so oh, a lo- Adam Fox was like a quintessential boogaloo boy, like mm. big shirt, Hawaiian or big Hawaiian shirt, big beard, stupid like meme patches all over his plate carrier. And like talked a big game. And once he gets on board, the other guys in the militia, I mean, they're mostly kind of like sad, lonely, older men. They don't like Adam. They're like, this guy is sketchy. He freaks me out. Rabble I don't rouser. like him. He's a rabble rouser. He's always talking. So I mean, and again, I'm sure many of our listeners are familiar with these sort of like, Yo, we're going to fucking kill some fucking cops, blah, blah. Like, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it's real like puffed up chest shit. Exactly. Roosters. Roosters. Yeah, peacocking. Yeah, peacocking. And the FBI actually is like, we actually need to get this guy way more involved over the other Wolverine's wishes. Uh, and that's successful. And so through Dan and through their other, I think at least two confidential informants, they really gas up the craziest members of this group until it congeals around a plan to kidnap yeah. Gretchen, Witch- Whit- Gretchen Whitmer. <laughs> Gretchen Whitmer? Holy shit. <laughs> What is wrong with me? I can't believe we did that whole bit about Gretchen, and I didn't even put together that we were that we were doing an episode is about that Gretchen why Whitmer. But now I have to explain because I swear to God, Brace says Gretchen all the time. She's gaslighting you. She's fucking gaslighting you. Oh, Never no, said in my life. It's She's true. lying to you it's right true. now. She's fucking gaslighting you. Fuck. I can't believe I didn't even put together that that this is how much Brace references Gretchen. Is I no. didn't even put together that the no. subject of the episode today is Gretchen Whitmer. No, this is gaslighting one hundred and one. Oh which I've God. taught at several yeah, you accredited definitely universities, teach online that because universities. you have a PhD in gaslighting. That's right. Anyways, so they, this guy, I mean, again, we're not, you don't need to regurgitate the entire article for you, but I mean, this, you should, you should, it, it is, it is kind of a masterclass in how the FBI does this kind of stuff though. And it's long, but it's also very typical of the FBI's usual moves, the right? Like they, they encourage the absolute most extreme maximalist behavior in this case, scouting yeah. out the governor's uh, uh, vacation house. And then forming a plan involving IEDs and blowing up a bridge and maybe a boat and t- with a end goal of either shooting the governor, tasing the governor and leaving her on a boat, which by the way is an insanely funny plan, uh, or kidnapping her and putting her on trial, which would have been also really funny because they wouldn't have And also that wouldn't have happened. And they would have live streamed it, which would have been, yeah, also wouldn't, none of these things would have happened. None of well, these things would have done the boat thing. I mean, they couldn't they, have they, done it, but- there's no I mean, court that they could have tried her in, which is why it's very funny. <laughs> actually, that's not true. There are private courts we can try anything. That's that's I just made that up, but there should be. Um, yeah, and so you know the rest of this goes essentially like you'd think it was. You know, the 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 fucking Thor is like I know a bomb expert, and that is a big red flag for anybody who knows anything about how the FBI entraps people. Whenever a guy in your group is like, oh, I know an explosive guy. 
That explosives guy is an FBI agent, yeah. and that is exactly what he was here. Yeah, it's not just even, I mean, you know, listeners or people familiar with the case might think, okay, well, sure, the FBI like egged him on, but that's how they do it. That's how you kind of like tease it out there, and then these guys do it, and then that's how you catch them. No, it's like the explosive expert was an informant. The guy who was in charge of transportation was an undercover FBI informant. The head of security quote-unquote security for the Wolverines was an FBI informant. Like, the whole thing Mm -hmm. was, there are, like, more informants involved than people. (laughs) Well, that's, I mean, yeah. I mean, there are are a a shit ton of informants involved. And the thing is, since all of these guys got arrested, a lot of the people sort of in this network, because, you know, there was, like, the actual Wolverine Watchmen, there was a sort of bunch of other loosely or sometimes tightly affiliated people who weren't involved in the plot, a lot of those guys have since been picked up too, yeah. usually on gun charges unrelated to this actual plot. Yeah, they and, find other things, but they tie it together with flimsy connections through like the Facebook yes. or the social posts or the, the group chats or whatever. I mean, some of these guys had only maybe been to one meeting or like ridden in a car with a guy one time, but what they yeah. do is they arrest you and then they flip you. Right. Yeah, and that's like the total goal. And that's always been the goal. This is something that we've talked about extensively um with uh on our episodes about the UK spy cops case, which if you guys haven't listened, you gotta listen to those. Those are great. Mm -hmm. Um but also in the past, you know, remember we did that episode about the the case of that that far right group, the base? Yes. And how it came out that the leader of the base was possibly an inf- was possibly an informant or yeah. an agent or like the whole time. You know what I mean? There's also, of course, all the stuff that came out about all the members of the Proud Boys who were federal informants. Like, <laughs> you couldn't stop yourself. From, I mean, that that I is. I can't stop. I think the Enrique Tario Joe Big shit is like the so <sighs> indicative of how this works. Is that like. The leadership of so many of these right-wing organizations, I mean, even going all the way back to like Elohim City and Timothy McVeigh stuff is like Mm. the leader there was a fucking federal informant. Although he was like, I didn't go to them. They came to me. So that makes it a different relationship. I mean, the the militia movement in particular has really been sick with informants. You know, people people always sort of bandy about this, probably apocryphal uh, uh, statistic about how at one point you're like one in five members of the CPUSA or like more than that of the communist party of uh, USA was a federal informant or a in reporter or, or excuse me, a, a agent or anything, something like that. <laughs> I will say <laughs> he's a federal <laughs> reporter. Yeah. He works for, he works for AP. Well, um, same thing. Distinction without a difference. But with the militia movement, I mean, that like really is true. You cannot fucking throw a stone in the militia movement without finding somebody who's either working for the feds or who works like full time, part time, or as an actual agent. I mean, it is, it is totally rife with it because, which, you know, makes sense. I mean, a lot of these guys are heavily armed and uh, it's probably a lot of fun to be an informant or an undercover agent in these because you get to go play in the woods with guns with these guys. Uh, well, there was also the FBI did so much of this during the Obama years. Remember all of those stories about all the kind of like Muslim extremism stings that they were doing? Yeah. There yeah. was like, there's this one I was reading about and I remember that this happened, but I, you know, it's been so long since I even looked at any of this stuff. This was back in like 2012. Um, and the Guardian had a big expose on one of the confidential informants that 
they that the FBI was using. And it's the same thing what they would do. It's like they would they would uh, they got this guy. He was like outside a gym talking mm-hmm. to some guys who happened to be ex cops, and they were all impressed with him because he had just gotten out of prison. <laughs> And he was talking about some of the like drug gangs and the guys that he knew in like prison in Chino. Yeah. And the, those off duty cops were like, hey, maybe we can like introduce some of the feds, you know, blah, blah, blah. Who knows what kind of kickbacks are involved there? I'm assume I would not be surprised to know that there were plenty of kickbacks. You get there. referral bonuses. Yeah, absolutely. Fucking <laughs> MLM style mm-hmm. marketing is what I mean there. Not. Yeah. We do that in Maoism <laughs> too. <laughs> but, um, that's what happened. They introduced him to the feds and the feds were like, oh my God, we could totally use you. And they get this dude to like fucking grow a huge beard and start befriending Muslims. And like to the point where he was like going into these mosques and, you know, trying to kind of like instigate all this stuff um, and get, you know, kind of lure, you, you know, like try to find these quote unquote Islamic extremist yeah. sympathizers to the point that those dudes at the mosque like called the FBI on him because they were like, this guy's talking crazy. Like it yeah, just like yeah, didn't work yeah. out well. But the stuff that he says in this interview with the Guardian is like totally crazy. I mean, he's like, you know, the FBI and this echoes what you were saying. There's like, you know, they had two basic aims. Firstly, they aim to uncover potential militants. Secondly, they could also use any information, like, you know, if someone's having an affair or if someone was being gay, if someone was gay or whatever. Like someone to was turn being gay. Well, that's actually what it says in the article, but it sounds so weird that I had to change it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, or if someone was gay, to turn targeted people into becoming FBI informants themselves. And so, like, what's so fascinating to me about this whole thing is that it's such a good example of just, like, this bureaucracy and the system reproducing itself, right? Because, like, its only goal is actually then just to turn more people uh, informants and suck up more money for this program, and more resources and just like grow and grow and grow. And like that, that's something that Tom uh, really echoes in our episodes about the spy cops. Like it wasn't even about anything other than just continually to grow and kind of like justify its own existence through, through those measures. Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, the, 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 the Bush and Obama, and of course like Trump years too. I mean, this, this has never actually stopped against Muslims. No, it's only right? grown. But like it, it, it's, I mean, the, the actual number of informants that the FBI uses too. I, I was reading this, I think it's a mother Jones article at, at one point, uh, I think in like 2012, they had 15,000 spies, the FBI alone had 15,000 spies in various organizations across the country <laughs> back in 1977, uh, 1975 about 1500. And so it's grown so much since then. And all of these like giant plots too of the 2000s. I remember all these fucking things, the shoe bomber every other week, there was like a foiled plot. Uh, you know, the big ones like Sears tower plot, Washington Metro bombing plot, Mm. New York subway plot, Portland Christmas bombing. That was a big one. All of them were led by FBI informants. Yeah. Right. Like it, this is not, we're not being like hyperbolic or like doing like some fucking like, you know, like, Left wing, like me, the, oh, the FBI sets everyone up. That is actually what they do. Like, it, this isn't a joke. They, what, they, what they do is they find people who might have some sentiment, right, against the government or some views that, that are anti government views or even some desire. 
but absolutely no way to carry that out. No means, no method, and no real like motivation. I mean, motivation maybe in some sort of like you know ephemeral sense, but no like actual immediate motivation to do something like this. Um, and then they set them up. I mean, you know, famously there was that guy that they had to drive to Walmart and buy him a knife. You know, yeah. the homeless guy, and then arrested him as I think being a member of ISIS. I mean. My my view on a lot of this stuff, though, is like, yeah, the FBI literally is behind most terror plots, uh, and I and most foiled terror plots, and I have a feeling that they're behind a lot of the ones that kind of go through as well. I mean, if nine eleven is uh, is any indication there too, and it, you know, it it makes sense. I mean, and, and and people might ask, like, well, why would they do this, right? I mean, like like Liz is saying, it make you know to justify themselves and to you know to have these victories in the public eye and stuff like that. But it also creates this like big climate of fear. I mean, with the Whitmer stuff, I mean, Christ, think of how many fucking psyops there were <laughs> in the twenty twenty twenty, but. Uh, Especially as a way of making, I think, 2020 the most mentally insane year of most people's lives, right? I mean, God knows how many people I knew that basically lost their grip on reality last year. Um, and a lot of people who never really regained it either. I, you know, this is, you know, not in the same way as it was in Italy during the years of lead, but this is, in a very real sense, like a strategy of tension, right? Like it makes people stressed out, it makes people fearful, it makes people suspect everybody, it makes people into snitches. Because they think that there's like an impending fascist takeover or something to that effect. Media is totally complicit in this strategy as well. Um, and it's 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 bonkers, right? Like the FBI has caused way more terror on the American public since its inception, or even, you know, give it give any five-year stretch than any sort of terror group has done. that's like crazy is that you know one thing that this um former informant said in the in this guardian interview is he's like um i was untouchable i am a felon i'm on probation and the police can't arrest me how empowering is that it's very empowering you began to have a certain arrogance about it it's almost taunting they told me you are untouchable and it's so interesting to me like you take that kind of attitude and when someone feels like they're outside the system right this is yeah. a sentiment that we kind of talked about um with Seth when we were talking about um you know, JSOC and, and kind of like these elite, uh, kind of military squads that exist outside of the sort of, you know, regular structure, yeah, regular structure of DOD and all of the kind of hierarchies there. But that like, when you take something like that, that's so kind of like unique and volatile because it's outside of any kind of boundaries. Right. And it's aware, again, it self regards itself. It knows that. And you would just inject it into an existing, group or um like you know organization or interaction or relationship right it completely changes the chemistry of that to the absolutely. point that you have absolutely there's no way to distinguish what what that group was or would ever have been without this thing coming in you yeah, know yeah. it's like when we talk about the you know the effects that all of these um people photographing the riots have on the actual riots themselves right these yeah. outside agitators and suddenly like it's very unclear to tell what's what 
and what's like completely and totally manipulated, you know? And I don't think that it's like, I mean, I don't think that there is some like grand plot here. I think a lot of this stuff, like I'm saying, like reproduces itself, you know, it's like the blob just kind of keeps growing and growing as it's need to constantly flip more informants to create more foiled plots to then, you know, get more promotions and get more money and get more, you know, I was reading about today, you know, with the um, January 6th uh, Capitol riot case, you know, that the feds, the the case is so fucking big and has so much uh, material in it in terms of mm-hmm. like social media posts. Like there's so much evidence that they had to hire an outside firm to kind of collate all of it and create a database so that defenses can have access to the like just like, you know, 200, 400,000 social media images that they've all collated, right? They have to, it's a $6 million contract that they've given to Deloitte. Now, there's an incentive there, right? You know what I'm saying? Like these big cases then, more and more, these things then will continue to grow and grow because these incentives are kind of like finding their own way here. You know what I mean? I think so too. And I think in the case of January 6th also, I mean- we saw this happen a lot in recent history is that cops will sometimes let these things go on because now they got you basically on paper. Now they can pick you up and turn you as an informant too. I mean, that's that's really what I suspect about a lot of those like really pointless like Portland like, you know, like anarchist riots and shit like that. It's like, you know how they, those went long for, on for a really long time? Like, well, yeah, because now they got all of you like on video. I'm sure that they picked some people up. I'm sure that they turned some people. I'm sure that there were people that they had in place there already. Um, you know, you know, it, 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 these things can actually be big boons for the government. Like yeah, January sixth. I mean, far from being like a, a blow to the feds, was actually like a fucking feast for them, and it will continue to be a feast for them. Well, people always talked of, always talked about the battle in Seattle for that very reason. Like mm. I remember during the Iraq War protests, people being like, "Whatever you do, stay away from Antifa and the Black Bloc because they're all feds." And that was like fucking yeah, I remember in two thousand three. Like yeah. I knew that I was a kid and I knew that, and now you see all these kids going and joining Antifa, and it's like, dude, you don't. What are you doing, man? Well, I think a lot of people don't think that this stuff can really happen to them. I mean, obviously, the most publicized cases have been on the right recently, right? I mean, specifically that Joe we're Gaines, aware Tario of, yeah, that stuff. the reporting exactly, is that on. we're aware of. But uh, you know, this this used to be like a pretty well known thing among people on the left, especially among like animal rights and uh, environmental rights groups, like ELF, ALF, that kind totally. of stuff. I mean, ELF, I think, was like the number one of the. I believe it was the number one target of the FBI, uh, even. After 9-11 for, for about a year. Uh, I mean, it was, you know, they, these things. And believe me, if you want to get into the to the environmental movement, you know, with fucking feds and stitches in there, there's a lot you can get into because, boy, is there. I mean, Brandon Darby, a writer yeah. for Breitbart, you know, got his start literally in trapping. I mean, and this man is a writer for Breitbart, got his start by tricking a kid into basically carrying and like forcing this like young kid into carrying a bo- uh, box of Molotov cocktails to I think the DNC protests and fucking snitched on them. You know, like this is this is not an uncommon thing. And so I do I do want people to be very careful. If anyone is encouraging you to do violence, if anyone's like trying to make a real plan with you to do violence or something like this, really, t- I mean, take into consideration what you're dealing with. But uh, like with the history of this stuff because there is a good chance that that person is either fucking insane 
or going to snitch on you or setting you up or something. Another thing too, though, is that like cops will get you on minor charges and they will seek to turn you too. I mean, I think that that's a, that that's like a, um, a, a pretty common tactic that we've seen here. So like, I think doing stuff that's needlessly illegal is, is generally pretty stupid too, especially in a political context, because you can get picked up for that shit. I mean, a lot of these guys got picked up on minor gun charges and I'm sure they, yeah. they were told we're going to throw the book at you unless you comply with us. Well, that's like, so, okay. I, you know, we mentioned January 6th and you know, the Democrats are doing like Pelosi has her big, like, I don't know, big show trial that they're going to do or whatever. Yeah. I don't, I mean, who knows? Are you talking about the, the commission? Yeah, the commission. I, I'm so excited for that. I read that she like kicked off the Republicans or whatever, which I think is very funny. Who knows? I mean, I was looking at some of the Senate. It's been a minute since I looked into a lot of this stuff. So I apologize, but I was looking into reading back on some of the like Senate hearing stuff that I think happened in March. Mm-hmm. Like the questions that were coming out of the Democrats, the FBI, uh, I don't feel great about the way that they, <laughs> those questions went. I'll just yeah. say that. I mean, I don't think – I don't believe that they're very interested in getting to the bottom of actually what happened here because I think that one of the big lessons or you know, what we should be asking as we're reading through kind of the extent that we're aware of of the FBI's involvement in this kidnapping entrapment case with Governor Whitmer is like, okay, so for January 6th, we know – for a fact, we know that a bunch of Oath Keepers, a bunch of Proud Boys, three percenters, like these are the three groups that like the the media was like, okay, these are the guys that really like push this thing, right? Mm-hmm. We know for a fact that there are federal like informants in all three of those groups. Yeah, and at the top of these groups. Yeah, at the top of these groups, you mentioned Tario. He was told not to go to yeah. January six, right? That's just some of you example. guys are cool. Don't go to the Capitol tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah. So it's like, okay, wait, what extent are these groups infiltrated by the FBI and starting when? And like how many undercover agents and or those are that's different than an informant were at the Capitol riots? And like, were they meant to interfere? Were they not? Were they just passive? Like, was it the same thing that happened at the statehouse when all those guys got there? And like, at what point do those decisions get made? Like, why was this allowed to go on is a good question then. Well, I think on some level with January 6th, I mean, not, not, and I want to be clear here, I'm not impugning the FBI and whoever else with good motives or anything. I think part of that was probably unavoidable, right? Like, they they can't cancel the rally. It's something like that's going to happen. Yeah, totally. No, no. I mean, you know, whatever. People probably listen to what our thoughts on that and what happened. Like, I think it's just, I'm just very interested in literally like how much, if that whole thing, I mean, look, the, the, the Capitol police is getting a massive like budget increase Mm -hmm. after this. And so much political noise has been made about this thing, you know, about January 6th and the riots that happened and the Reichstag riots. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, if it was deeply, deeply like <laughs> infiltrated by the FBI, that's something that people should know and we should be asking about. Yeah, no, 100%. I, I agree. And I, and I think just like, I think what drives me crazy about a lot of this stuff is that everybody knows all of this shit is fake. I mean, it, yeah. it's like, it's all that fucking it's all, spectacle. it's all spectacle. Like these, like these, these, it, army of informants and agents are fucking setting people up and put them away for the rest of their lives for, you know, simply to either get, you know, another case down or whatever, or or to freak people out. 
all kinds of different reasoning behind that. Um, but no one can, no one does anything about it. I mean, the FBI in that way is as unaccountable as the CIA is, right? Like it's something we all know that they're doing these ugly, evil things and terrorizing people and ruining people's lives. Um, but there's been no real pushback on it. Well, look at the crook politicians. They enjoy That's it just true. as much. They're using everyone else's pawns just like the FBI and CIA are, right? Yeah. It's like yeah. those these fucking jokers are capitalizing it on it politically while a bunch of people get locked up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's yeah. like 550 people charged by the FBI. Yeah, <laughs> insane. Six. And there's like 300 more they're trying to identify. And a lot of people are helping too. I mean, that's, that's, that's like friends and family and just like citizen vigilantes. I mean, it's just like, you know, and the politicians go along with it because it's convenient. I don't know. And if all this wasn't absurd and enervating enough, um, the uh, the public face essentially of the FBI's uh, effort against the the Wolverine Watchmen—I cannot <laughs> say that and take it seriously. Uh, I mean, come on, Wolverine Watchmen with crazy give me a Pete? break, brother. Yeah, the the guy's name is Richard Trask, and I encourage you to oh. look up a picture of this guy. <laughs> You know, Richard Trask, Dick Trask, FBI. I'm going to make a movie called Richard Trask. <laughs> well, he ran some of these uh, undercovers. He coordinated a lot of this stuff. I mean, actually, he, he, not undercovers, excuse me, informants. Actually, each of these informants had their own handler. I mean, there was a lot. I think everybody involved in this case at one point like had an agent assigned to them. There was a lot of yeah, people assigned to this case. Fucking like bureaucratic matrix of this shit is mind-numbing. But Trask was like a big wig in charge of this case. You know, he's appeared in court. Uh, he has uh, written a bunch of the stuff against the defendants. Um, and he was arrested recently. <laughs> and, and like, this is obviously absurd and like kind of funny in its absurdity. But like, this actually belies like a truly fucked up evil man. Is he attended a swingers party with his wife? Um, she had a few drinks there and felt uncomfortable. She didn't want to be at the party. So they go home, and when they get home, he gets on top of her and repeatedly smashes her head as hard as he can against the nightstand, um, which means a few things. One of which is that at this point, the FBI has officially done more harm to women uh, than anybody else in this case. Um, but also, it's like, this is the kind of people who are working for the FBI, right? Like... This man is a fucking piece of shit. And like as much as any of the people who are involved in this militia movement, I mean, this is some fucking, you know, you take your fucking wife to a party and be like, oh, you don't want to go fuck that guy. Or you won't let me fuck. I mean, I don't know what her ex- objection exactly was, but you feel uncomfortable with this group sex orgy when he takes her home and beats the shit out of her. Uh, I mean, it's, it's absurd to me. He also owns a CrossFit gym. And so, you know, this guy is now, uh, he can't own a gun. Um, he, you know, he is in some fairly big trouble with the law, which I'm sure will get squelched, but like, this is who we're talking about on the other side here. You know, there's no, the FBI are not fucking, I mean, I doubt anyone listening to this thinks the FBI are heroes, but like, these are fucking scumbags. Yeah.
Well, before we sign off, I do want to mention one thing is that I was just scrolling through our notes real quick, which we didn't mm. really refer to very much. No, we that, certainly guys. did not. Brace added a point here that I just wanted to bring no, up. No, don't do it. I don't know what it is, but don't do not do this. It's, what, what is um, it? On a list of – there's a list that I had some questions where it was just like random questions that I have. And number six, will you read number six, Brace? All right. Let me scroll down to it. All right, where there's, are we, do, we do a lot of – you know, oh yeah, okay, yeah, I see it now. Uh, okay, number six. All the other ones were like actual questions that Liz had. Um, uh, and m- number six, I added, which was just Tamerlan Sarniev. But that is no, that that is a good. There are some questions. There are many questions about. Oh, we the have many questions. Sarniev brothers. Well, here's the thing. I want to say we have many questions. Those questions shall soon be answered on this very yes. podcast. Yes, they shall. Uh, and we will be having Joker on the show. Uh, <laughs> but no, that is, uh, I mean, that's the thing. Boston bombing, Tamerlan. Rumored, and I think very, very convincingly rumored, to be an uh, informant. Yeah. And so there's also, of course, a lot more questions about uh, possible outside influence and mm. mysterious other people in that uh, that that particular incident as well. He's referring to Marky Mark and the movie. and Liz Franzak. Oh, great. Well, with that being said, my name is Commander in Chief of the uh, where should I make up that I live of the uh, Long Beach Dub All Stars, Bryce Belden. I'm Liz. We are, as always, joined by our producer, Young Chomsky, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.